A warm welcome to you tonight. I, I trust that you are warm. Um, and uh, it's lovely to have you here. I hope that you remembered that it's Mother's Day. Uh, if you didn't, you've got the whole week to make up for it. Um, my son wrote a, a lovely uh, Mother's Day card. Um, the school asked him questions about his mom and what does he, what does he love about his mom. And he says he loves the fact that, that mommy's got a baby growing in her tummy. Now, this was news to Sarah and I. Um, so we kind of questioned him on this. What do you mean by mom's got a baby growing in, your tummy, in her tummy? He says, no, actually I meant dad. <laughs> so I had to explain to him that dad doesn't have a baby growing in his tummy. He's got about five Nando's burgers, but th- that's about it. <laughs> so I hope that uh, to the moms here, you've had a very special day and that you've been spoiled. And, and just really gratefulness to, to our parents. Uh, I phoned my mom today and said to her, you know, I'm really so grateful. I'm thank you. You know, for raising two amazing, wonderful kids that you have done. And even putting up with my sister. Um, <laughs> no, it's a, a blessing to have mothers in our lives. And we've been doing the start of the series, From Praying to Praise. And uh, we're going through the book of Habakkuk. And if you want to turn, we're going to be dealing with uh, from verses one, uh, chapter 1 from verses 12. And jumping into chapter 2. And really looking at, at why bad things happen to good people. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of question. Maybe you didn't phase it that way. You may have turned around and said, why me? Or maybe you've looked and, and been a pastor, been able to journey alongside people. You've seen people that love the Lord, are incredibly faithful to God, and yet they just seem to get hammered one after another after another struggle just continuously comes on. And kind of just the question, why God, what, what's going on there? And what's happening? Now I would love to be able to say tonight that I'm going to answer all your struggles and this is exactly why you've gone through what you've gone through. I'm not able to do that. But we're able to look through the word of God and we're able to kind of get some guidance what to do and why this happens. Because kind of Habakkuk asks this kind of question. You know, God, why? What's going on? So you will see chapter 1, and and just to highlight where we're at, uh, the Syrians basically are in power. Um, The uh, Israelites here have been kind of under their rule and their reign, and we've had a good king and we have a bad king. And uh, what happens is Habakkuk has come and said, God, look at all this unrighteousness that's going Have a look at the sin that's taking place. God, kind of, are you idle? Are you just watching on this? Where are you, Lord? You know, where are you? Why why is this still going on? And God kind of says, I'm going to amaze you. And the answer that he gives is, he says that the Babylonians are going to be coming. The Babylonians are going to come, this, this nation that was so, so violent. They're going to come, and they're going to take over the Syrians. And they're going to rule. Now, kind of put your Bible into context. Daniel, though in, in, in the Bible it comes before this, the time of Daniel would actually be coming after this. All right. So Daniel becomes one of the exiles that's taken into Babylon. And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, just to give you context. And we see this taking place and happening. And so, 
Habakkuk hears this kind of, God's going to, to bring the Babylonians, and he gets to this place and goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What do you mean by this? Um, wait, um, God has said you need to deal with sin, but what about the righteous? Is his kind of question. These guys are just going to wipe out. These guys are so ruthless. These guys don't honor you. Why are you using them? Why are you bringing them? And so let's read from verse 12. And it goes, O Lord, you are, not, uh, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not, uh, uh, the Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. Uh, you cannot tolerate wrong. Then why, then why do you tolerate the treacherous? Why, do you, uh, why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You see that? Why is bad? Why is the good, uh, the good suffering here? Why is the righteous suffering here? You have made men like fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls them up, up with hooks. He catches them in his net and he gathers them with his dragnet. Then he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and he burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and he enjoys the choices of foods. Is he not to keep an empty, uh, uh, is he not to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? Can you connect with that a bit? Let me sometimes ask the question, why do the wicked sometimes just prosper? Why do those who are dishonest, that are corrupt, why do they gain? Why does it seem like no punishment comes to them? But those who live by faith, those who are righteous, why do they seem to struggle so much? Why does life seem so hard for them? Does it seem fair? And this is kind of what he's asking. And he's using this analogy of the hook and the fish without a leader. And this net that just catches them. Don't you sometimes feel just caught up, pinned down at this place and saying, God, you know what, where are you? We see the amounts of people that have been retrenched over this time and this period. You know, God will provide, God will provide, God will provide. And getting three weeks on and three months on and going, God, where are you? Why does it seem so silent? And going on and going on and just saying, God, why have I been abandoned? This is the kind of feeling that he's at. Feeling of going to be just caught up, swallowed, reduced, brought to nothingness here. Just so those who are violent, those who are wicked, can continue emptying their net and carrying on and going on. And so we get to a place where sometimes we get to go through struggles as Christians. We go to places where it is difficult, where we're asking God, why am I going through this? What's, what's happened? What's taken place? And I have seen many turn their backs on God. To say, well, God has abandoned me and so I'm going to abandon him. And they move away. And Habakkuk is asking this kind of question. 
But what do we see? Verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 1. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. What's he saying here? Well, God, I am looking to you. He's not turning around and saying, God, well, you abandoned me. I'm going to leave. He's looking to God and he's saying, God, I need you. I need the answer. I'm at watch. Almost like a watchman would be in there to warn the nation of danger. God, I need your answer. I need to know what you're doing here. I need you. I will look and see and he will say to me, and what answer am I going to give this complaint? So he's saying, oh God, I'm staying here because I want to answer. It's not Habakkuk asking God and hijacking, kind of holding God to hostage. He's not doing that. But he's so desperate to hear from God. And when we go through our struggles, we mustn't go to the place where we feel like we can't ask God. We need to get to a place where we're saying, God, I really just need you. You are all I need. I need to hold on to you. I need to hold on to you. We see it in the fact that the start of verse tw- uh, verses 12, he's reminding us here who God is. And so he knows exactly who he's turning to. The Lord, are you not from everlasting, the everlasting God, the ever-present God? Everlasting here. My God. This personal relationship. God, I'm clinging to you. I'm holding to you. My Holy One. God, you are holy. You will not die. God, everlasting. God, the holy. I love this. Oh, rock. My foundation. Whom I'm anchored in. This is who I am asking. This is what he's saying here. So when we come through these difficult times where we're saying, God, why does bad things happen to good people? We need to turn to God. We need to be asking him. We need to be looking. God, where you're at work, what are you doing here? What are you saying here? God, I need your answer. And we need to be remembered, be reminded who God is. He's everlasting. He's my God. And He is my rock. And He is holy. And so it comes from that basis. So we jump back to chapter 2 and, and pick up from verse 3. And it says, For the revelation waits an appointed time. Sorry, uh, pick up from verse 2. Uh, then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets that, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an, uh, awaits an appointed time. It speaks to the end and it will not prove, prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. For it certainly will come and not delay. You see this, God answers him. And the message isn't just for him, but it is for the nation. Write this out. Write this on stone tablets. Put this out. This is going to be something you need to cling on to. When we're going through hard times, cling to the word of God. This was what the herald was going to do. He was going to proclaim what God was going to be doing. It was to be write, written on tablets, not the kind of tablets we have today. Okay? But obviously on clay tablets, write this down. Why? It was their form of posters. 
as people would walk past it, they would see this promise that God has made. Write down this revelation. Now, if anyone wants to think of a difficult time, Habakkuk would have written this down. And probably, depending on the start of when his ministry started, and a little bit of debate around this, it probably wouldn't have happened until 20 years later. What mockery would have he gone through? The Babylonians are coming. The Babylonians are coming. Now, what are you talking about? And the violence and the sin would have just carried on. But he writes this down. Cling to the promises of God. It will not prove false. It will not be delayed. Do you see that? God is coming. Comes to this. And so verse 4. See, he is puffed up and his desires are, are not upright. But the righteous will live by faith. Indeed, wine betrays him, and uh, he is arrogant, and he never at rest, because he is as greedy as the graves, and like dead is never, uh, death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes them captive, all the peoples. He will not, uh, will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up the stolen goods, who makes himself wealthy, by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your debtors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Will you not become their victim? Because you have plundered many nations. And the people that are left will plunder you. For you have shed a man's blood. And you have destroyed the lands and the cities, everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain. To, uh, to set his nest on high, to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed, who escapes a town by crime, establishes a town by crime. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for fire? That the nation exhausts themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters covers the sea. Woe to him who gives a drink to the neighbors. Pouring it from the wineskins till they are drunk. So that he can glaze on their naked bodies. So you will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now is your turn. Drink and be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around you. And disgrace will cover your glory. Violence where you have done to Lebanon. Who will overwhelm you and with destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed the man's blood. And you have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol? Since, God has carved, uh, since man has carved it. Or an image that teaches lies. For he who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols and cannot speak. Woe to him who says to the wood, come to life. Or to the lifeless stone, wake up. It cannot give guidance. It is covered with gold and silver and there's no breath in it. But the Lord is, is, um, sorry, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent before him. Incredible what he says. He's basically saying to Habakkuk, 
Look at what's going to happen. Yes, I'm using these people. But look at their runes. Do you see the we, uh, the woe is you? This is the pity, pity is you kind of statements. And this is kind of written in a, in a song kind of form that would have been chanted over and over to the Babylonians. It's like being held hostage and laughing at your hostage keepers. Saying to them, ha ha, because what you do to me is coming back tenfold to you. This is what basically has been said. What the Babylonians are going to do, well, see what God is going to do. See how God is going to judge. See what he is going to do. So we get to this place and, and Habakkuk is asking this question, why God? And he starts to focus on the why is the more righteous? And I want to kind of, I know there's a long intro, but already he starts with the wrong kind of questioning. We get to the basis, is why does bad things happen to good people? Well, I've got news for us. No one, but no one is righteous. And we often compare and go, God, God, look at all those. I'm at least not like them. But we forget the grace of God. It is by His grace that He saved me. So he turns around and says, God, you cannot, almost kind of saying, God, you cannot see sin. Now, that's not true. God sees sin. What he's saying there, God, you cannot see sin without reacting to it, without dealing with it. And God sees our sin dealt with through his son. And so we need to realize that God can see this. And when we turn around and say, God, you can't see this, you can't see the sin, don't we sometimes compromise in areas? Don't we go down roots and we're saying, oh God, this is not really. We're going to get married one day. So premarital sex doesn't matter. God, you know what? Looking at those images, at least I'm not doing anything. God, just trusting in this and, and kind of gambling just some of the money. It's only just a little bit. God, my anger is only in this. Now Sunday school this morning. We had two new kids, and I won't tell you their names. But the little brother said something, and I'm not going to tell you what he said either. And his sister looked at him, and he says, You don't say that we're at church. You say that at home. <laughs> don't we sometimes do that with our sin? God, I just want to water down, you know. It's all right. It's justified. No, God sees our sin and no one is righteous we need him and we need to realize that and so the real question here what God is saying is there's a comparison between two people there's those in verse 4 of chapter 2 kind of tells us those who puff themselves up those who are relying on their own strength their own ability on what they can do that kind of make you feel better and bigger, you know, in dangerous situations, shoulders go back, stomach in, you know, chest out, kind of, I'm going to do this kind of thing. Those who rely on their own ability, and this is what the Babylonians were doing. Look at our strength, look at our might, look at our victories, look at how we've done. And what is God's answer to them? Woe to you, to you drunkard. 
to you, lustful, to you, idolatra. Woe to you. Woe to you. For God is doing something. So what kind of people are we? Are we the puffed up? Or are we, as verse 4 is saying, the righteous? Are we them? What does it mean by the righteous? Is those who are seeking God, like Habakkuk. God, I'm waiting for you. I'm on that watchtower. I'm looking out for you. For you are holy. You are my rock. You are my God. My everlasting. That's who you are. I need you. So what kind of person are we in this? How do we become the righteous? Well, I want to focus on just quickly three things. Is when bad things happen to good people, how do we become the righteous through this? How do we get through this? One is by living by faith. See this active word, living? It's a daily thing. Saying, God, I need you. And this faith, as we're told, is not by seeing. God, I want to see what you're going to do first instead of just going running after this. It's saying, God, I'm trusting in you. I feel like I'm caught up in the dragnet. I feel like I'm caught up and surrounded and trapped. But God, I trust in you. I need you. How do we show faith? Well, it's in waiting. It's waiting in God. It's waiting in God's timing. His answer here is, for the revelation awaits the pointed time. God, my faith, I'm trusting in you, for you know when's the best timing. For you know what's going on. And you know that timing. And what I love this is there is no delay. It's the difference between having faith in the post office to having the faith in our God. There is no delay with our Lord. We can trust and cling into Him. So we live by faith. And that comes through our waiting. And so we're going to be tempted like this hook that He shares. This hook that is lowered down and this trapment is there. And this persecution that is there. We're going to experience those things. But we realize that God has got something better tomorrow. We trust in Him. We trust in Him. So I want to encourage you to highlight this verse. So many of the Old Testament books are dealing with God's righteousness, uh, living by faith. It, it deals with this. This is such a key verse in the whole of this book. Is the righteous live by faith. They're trusting in God. So firstly, it's about living by faith. Secondly, it's waiting for God's glory to come. God's glory to come. Verse 14 in chapter 2. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. God's glory is going to come. 
When we think that everything is down and out, when we think things can't get any worse, when we think that God has abandoned us, God is going to reveal his glory. Now, the Babylonian notion was an incredibly evil generation. And today, we don't really see sometimes God's glory either. Billy Graham turned around and said this, if God doesn't come soon, he'll owe Babylon an apology because we become such a corrupt, violent world at the moment that is not God-focused. So God's glory will come. How great is that glory? Well, as the waters covers this earth, It's not in a small way. It's not in glimpses, but in great glory to come. So it will look in the circumstances. If you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the faith that they went through, the righteousness when pressure was on, they did not bow down. When the Babylonians were worshiping their idols that they had built, they knew about the living God and they were going to trust in him. And the moment they got thrown in that fire, So God's glory was known. And so we realize that whatever we're going through, the hardships, when we look at families and go, God, what are you doing there? Instead of just saying, God, why is this going on? We ask the question, God, how are you using this? How can you be glorified through this? Because God is at work in that situation. God is doing that. Now I've shared this a few times, I don't know, many times at the youth, but when I was on WOW team, I was told that I was tone deaf, and I'm actually not tone deaf, I just don't have the full concept of music. I've actually got a good ear to pick up those who are tone deaf. I'm just not good at that myself. <laughs> and, uh, and what happened is I got placed behind uh, the sound desk, and I uh, the very area that I said to God I, I didn't want to be used in. I had the wrong kind of basis as I was trying to try puff up my, my chest. I had pictures of me singing solos, the girls down there, photos, you know, traveling the country. And God placed me in where he had given me the talent. And uh, I remember going to Kimberley and one of our guys was sick. And uh, the church knew about it and one of the youngsters even asked me, am I the standby for the guy that's sick? I was like, sure, okay. And he was staying at my host home with me and uh, got home and the the lady in Afrikaans, uh, the the housekeeper there, uh, was screaming about the haunt. And I loosely translated it to the cat. Um, (laughs) No, all right. Um, The staffy that they had had climbed over the bubble wrap over the pool gone up the waterfall and jumped over to the next door neighbor's dogs and was attacking the next door neighbor's dogs. And so I heard this story and I went brave, you know, Batman to action up on the south of Joburg. No Kimberly dog can hold me back. I stood on the wall, convinced the staffy I was friends. You know, kind of thing. Staffy was wagging his tail, figured it's okay. Jumped over the wall. And figured, how am I going to sort this dog out? I am not going to pick up a staffy that I've just known for three days and try to pick him up and throw him back over a wall. Uh, not the greatest idea. And so what I did is I then went to go see how the other dogs were and convinced them I was a friend. 
And uh, as they came out, the staffy then ran and bit the dog by the neck, grabbed hold of it by the neck. And as you know, there's locked jaw. But another lady that's on behind the gate screaming very bravely, Slan for the hunt. I'm like, you come over here and hit the dog. <laughs> I ain't going to do that. I'm screaming to the maid who's now screaming as well. Like, ah! Okay, the dog's like, Rrr! the staffy's like, Rrr! okay. And, and, and I remember this and I kind of like screaming for water because if I can wet the staffy, then maybe this will work. But I'm not getting through because English translation, I'm like, Water, I'm trying to separate the two dogs. So I figure the next best thing I can do is to block the staffy's nose. So I'm like, <laughs> And as I do that, going towards the staffy's nose, the other dog starts to munch on my fingers. So now I think she got them loose. The staffy is chasing the other dog around. I'm chasing the other staffy around. The lady's screaming, slam for the haunt. And the, the, the housekeeper's still like, so eventually managed to separate and get the, the owner of the staffy came around. We sorted all this out. And I drove, drove to the, the uh, Mediclinic, which we know so well in uh, Kimberley. And um, I grabbed my, my mate because he still was not well. So I threw him in the back of the car, feeling also down and out because why is God put me here? Because according to some youngsters, I'm just the standby for the team. I'm not even part of the team. And... The, the hospital still makes you fill in those forms when you've got like bloody fingers. <laughs> so they sent me into the back room of casualty and I can hear screaming in the back. And I think, yo, I'm going in there next. <laughs> what kind of doctors have they got in Kimberley? Yeah. And I sat next to this lady and this lady came in and said, you know, um, who was bitten by the dog? And I said, no, I was. And, and this lady looks at me and says, were you bitten by a dog? So I said, yes, it was this huge, ferocious sausage dog. <laughs> and uh, I said, why are you here? She said, no, my daughter attempted suicide. So I said, is that your daughter at the back? I said, yes. So I said, well, do you mind if I pray for you? And she says, uh, well, I'm actually Muslim. So I said, well... We believe different things. I'm not going to go down that route now, but I would still like to pray for you. She said, oh, you can. So I put up my hand on her, that hand, and uh, I prayed for her, and I remember mentioning her daughter by name, and the screaming was going in the back. Mentioned, mentioned her daughter's name, and I prayed for peace. And as I prayed for that, that screaming stopped. And you could just sense the presence of God in that moment. And as we finished the prayer, I opened her eyes up there. Her husband was, and I could just see him in just shock, just standing there as well. And from that moment, the, the nurse called me, and I went into the doctor. Found out that my teammate, who I had also dragged through to the hospital now, um, actually was very, very sick. Um, God had a purpose and a plan. Now, it's very easy for me to turn around and say that because it was very quick to find out God's purpose and plan for me being bitten by a sausage dog. It, very easy to see that. But I want to tell you that what you're going through or what you see others going through, I know it may be hardship and you may be going to the place and saying, God, where are you? 
almost feeling like Habakkuk and saying, God, why are you silent? Why the evil prosper? Why the evil will prosper? But I want to tell you that God's glory will come. And one day, when Christ returns, we will see his glory blanket the earth. And every knee and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's who we hold our faith in. That's how we go through these struggles to know that God will be glorified. That our faith is not in vain. For in God's timing it is perfect without delay that He is coming. For He is my rock, He is my everlasting, the Holy One. That's who He is, my God. And we cling to our faith for His glory will come. Be like Habakkuk, watching out, waiting on God to see his glory. And thirdly, we need to remember that God still reigns. We need to remember that God still reigns. He ends this chapter off, but the Lord, uh, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent before him. God is still on the throne. God still reigns. You find it funny that one of the writings about Nebuchadnezzar was that he made the guys build these incredibly fortified walls because his reign that he wanted. He wanted it to be a basis that Babylon would be everlasting. Uncapturable, unpenetrable. And so he had these walls doubled for this glory, and God just brought it into ruins. God still reigns. And though we think it's out of control, though we think that corruption, evilness, and sin is rampant, God still reigns. My God still reigns. Nothing is out of God's control. Nothing can catch God by surprise. Nothing is too big for my God. So what are you going through? Because God still reigns. And so we have faith in Him because He still reigns. We can cling to Him and we can live by righteousness even though it is out of control. For He still is in control. He reigns and there's going to come to a time where those who have decided to puff themselves up will experience the woe to you woe to you for my god still reigns he is the everlasting the holy the rock my god and he reigns So how do we get through this hard time? The righteousness will live by faith. In what? In Him. Cling 
to him through these times. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the everlasting. You are the holy God. You are our rock. Our God. And Lord, I just pray for those that are going through difficult times. Moments where they feel just so abandoned, so caught up, so trapped. Where things just seem to be overwhelming. Lord, I just pray, I pray that they would experience your peace. That as they stand on that watchtower, watching and waiting, that they would hear from you. And know how great you are. Know that your glory will come. And may that be enough strength for tomorrow. The act of living by faith. Living daily. Trusting you daily. And so we just pray for this in your precious name. Amen.